0: Photo Mission Exposure, a podcast for photographers. Robin, welcome to Photo Mission Exposure. Thanks for coming along this afternoon. Thanks for inviting me, Steve. Cool. So we just want to learn a little bit about your photography and some of the things that you've actually done. So I normally get guests to work out when they picked the camera up. Can you remember when you first got introduced to photography?
1: Can't remember the age, but I would have been quite young, possibly primary school. Um, I I have a brother and, and my parents, and I'm possibly, back then, was the only one that could actually hold a camera still and frame it without cutting people's heads off. So it was usually... I picked up the camera. Um, I, we didn't have a very flash camera. Um, and even through high school, I still just had like a little 110 Instamatic. Yeah. Um, but I remember taking lots of photos. I have lots of photos from those years. So, um, yeah. And it wasn't until mm, uni and going away for a first big weekend that I actually bought a proper camera. That was a little Ricoh um, SLR. Yep. So, um, yeah, I've I've always had a camera.
0: Yep. So, so that from that early age, you actually had that, urn to capture stuff on.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I remember as kids going. Um, we'd go for driving holidays and going down to Sydney and Taronga Zoo, and and I remember actually trying to get the animals through the cages, and they all looked very sad back then. But um, yeah, I still have some of those photos in in my archives. That yep. um, yeah, and I was I was a horsey. Teenager, so i actually had the horse in the backyard and the horse in the local paddock and stuff like that so i remember you know photographing my horse in my backyard and being quite quite happy to actually get those shots printed and and made into enlargements which you know wasn't cheap back then um and always was a photographer that took hundreds of photos when when we'd go away for family holidays
0: yep so you just automatically had that role, basically, in the family.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I I find it very interesting that my brother is now uh, a semi-professional photographer as well as a bit of a side gig. Yeah. You know, so... But he
0: didn't show the interest at the early age like you did? No.
1: No, not that I remember.
0: Yep. Not that I remember. Sometimes that happens. People find photography later in life. That's quite a common thing to happen. Um, But a lot of the guests that we've had on the show actually all can go back to primary school when they first actually kind of fell in love with photography and it's kind of interesting because once it does bite yeah you know, oh
1: absolutely you can't you can't put it aside and i it, it would never have been a career for me because i was always heading oh, through early high school through to business yep. and suddenly changed i decided i wanted to be a scientist instead so yep. that creative side was never something i i really pursued it's just something i did you know, and it was just something that it was just part of things, but it was not something that I really spent a lot of time on.
0: Was your, was your, um your work? Did that in the early days that take in photography? Did that was formed a part of what you did or
1: no? I was, for my science, yeah. no, no, no. It was always um, taking photos on holidays. Um, you know, when when um, we'd go away for trips away, we'd go camping. Um, you know, we'd have we'd have the camera. Um, when my husband and I started dating and going out, um, he was also a photographer, so between us we had a decent camera, um, and it, between us we'd always, both of us, be picking up the camera, um, you know, so it's just something that perhaps has just always been part of life. It's not something that's sort of stopped or started, it's just always been there.
0: Yep, yep. I think like I said, a lot of people like I said, once they do kind of get involved with photography, it, it's there. And it's it's and It's interesting that you talk about that you've still got those pictures because that's really important, I think, because um, the modern generation, I think, are not going to be in the same position that they won't be able to say they've got all these pictures because they're all on their iPhones and things no, like that, and abs- they they absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's hard. I'm I'm a scrapbooker. Well, actually, I collect scrapbook supplies now, I decide. But um, I've always had a history of being a scrapbooker yeah. when the boys were born. Um, and so that preserving memories was always important to me. So I always had, when we'd go away, I'd always come back and print hundreds and hundreds of photos. Not always scrapbook those, but, um, you know, to put them into photo albums yeah. and so forth. But I've got them and I've got them printed. I've got the negatives preserved. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time cataloguing and, you know, putting them into the proper negative folders and, and so forth like that. So I've got all of that.
0: Yeah, which is kind of important because a lot of the things like negatives are quite um, fragile and if you don't treat them with care, mm. they, they won't last. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, there's a lot of families have those negatives and those prints and photo albums and... Um, and like I said, the, the current generation are going to struggle, I think, to be able to, in the next you know 30 years from now, they look back and you know, they won't be able to find anything.
1: No, no, absolutely. You know, and, and as time passes, your Instagram feed is pretty inaccessible. Yep. Um, you would change mobile phones, you lose those photos. If you're not actively backing it up, I, I made a decision a number of years ago. Um, I've, I've got most of my digital photos in my phone from many, many years ago. Um, but I back them up. I've, I've got them in hard drives. I've got them on a NAS at home. Um, you know, I know I can access them. And I have gone back to access some of them.
0: Well, your digital files now, they're your negatives. Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, absolutely.
0: And, yeah. So as yeah. a photographer, when you shot film, that's what I mean. You, you hung on to your negatives because you always knew you could print more images if you needed to. If You know, lost yeah. the print or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was always there and accessible. Yeah. That's, you know, so long as you could find that negative um which was
0: a challenge to 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 archive them oh
1: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely i'm i'm lucky my my husband is also a scientist so we're we're sort of pretty organized as far as record keeping and his father was a professional photographer so uh he can actually pull out well what was then slides um from his early childhood that his father had Taken and very carefully archived. We've got all of the negatives from their international travels. Yeah. So we can we can pull them out and and access them. They're all pretty organised. Yeah. So we just sort of continued with that system.
0: Yep. Has it digitised those slides or?
1: No, we haven't got. Oh, I cannot. Yeah, I cannot face that idea. I would like to one day. Um, and I actually looked a number of years ago scanning my own negatives, yep. but just. The sheer volume of them um, is just too hard.
0: I've got, I don't even want to think how many thousands of slides I've got, I've taken over the years. And a few years back, I started to archive them, like to, to digitally scan them. And it's just such a slow process. Oh,
1: it's yeah, very incredibly slow. And and I'm glad back then I didn't because I think scanning technology has actually changed so much from when I considered it sort of 10, even 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and the scanning technology is so, so much different. I actually scanned a lot of um, my father's photos. Um, and and luckily at the time my, my brother's an IT professional so he made sure I was scanning them properly and so forth so and they're they're preserved yep. so you know
0: which is no, good I, I think that's where we've been spoiled as photographers with the digital age because we can just share stuff so easy.
1: Oh, it's very easy. Yep. And it's wonderful that we can actually take a photo now and, and seconds later it's across the world and you can see what the weather's like all over the world and what your friends are doing. So it's it's wonderful. But, yeah, there is very much risks involved because you can't look back at those photos sometimes.
0: Yeah. I think that sometimes looking at a photo on a screen and looking at a print photo, it can give a very different set of emotions, I think.
1: Oh, they can have a very different feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's always good. I mean, there's a saying about photos not real until it's printed.
1: Yeah, I suppose because I have so many digital photos and because I actually regularly go back and and look I can I can regularly go back and look, after, you know, at the past couple of years photos. So, I sort of think that I do look at them. I don't feel that I have to print every single one of them. Because when we go away on holiday, especially overseas, it come back with thousands of photos. It's just not viable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I really should go back and print our
0: favourites. A lot of people have been, been very popular doing the photo books. Especially, yes. if, you know, we've had a few um, people on who, when they do you know, the holidays, they basically print a photo book of that whole holiday. Mm. So it's a, it's a document.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fabulous idea.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the technology, I mean, you can do it all online these days as well. You don't. You don't even have to leave your computer.
1: No, no, you don't have to go into a store with your USB or yeah. anything. It's so easy. That technology is, is yeah, yep. so many and, improvements. And you'd probably
0: take it like a duck to water because that the laying it out from the scrapbooking and just kind of laying it out and making it look, look nice.
1: Yeah, that's a little bit a part of my problem because it just takes so long because I'm just a little bit particular. Yep. Um. But, yeah, I have done a few photo books and, and they're really handy. Yep. You know, they're really a good way to actually remember a holiday or a particular occasion
0: yep so how has your photography journey changed from those early days when you were shooting you know family events holidays that type of stuff and you started obviously working what type of stuff do you shoot today I mean how's it changed
1: oh yeah so much um well you you have the the young adult sort of time frame I sort of consider that that you know, you you're documenting the the holidays you might have as as a young adult with your partner, with your friends. No children. Children come along, all your photography is based on your children. My kids then got to that that later sort of primary school, high school age, and it's like, no, you can't take a photo of me. Every time the, the camera was pointed at them, I'd get a funny face. So, yep. I stopped taking as many photos for a, for a while, and then digital came along, and then it was it was I could actually take masses of photos um, and we started traveling a little bit more without our children um, as they got older and and it was just travel photos but I've done a photo a day challenge so yeah. um, there's an online, uh, she was a blogger originally um, and for many years she's done a photo a day challenge um, and I've been doing that, I was trying to work out how long I've been doing it, possibly seven years sporadically. Um, And I saw that as a reason to take photos. Yep. Um, and and
0: do you think as a result of that you've actually, that's helped your photography?
1: Oh, I, for sure. Yep. Um, it's a bit different when you're just taking photos because you're out somewhere and you have a camera in your hand and it's a reason to take photos. It's a reason to regularly share photos online and that's that's one of the reasons I go back to my archives because... Like today's photo is the sky. Well, the sky this morning wasn't that exciting, so I shared one from a recent holiday. Yeah. And it's a reason to go back and actually look at some of my photos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And look, um, I suppose one of the things with the modern digital cameras, it's easy to go out and take lots of photos. And as a photographer, to get better, you need to practice. You need to shoot.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it helps you become comfortable with your camera i bought a um a full frame camera a couple of years ago or about 18 months ago um and i just found that i had to shoot really really frequently to make it more intuitive to actually pick up that camera and and use um i decided at the canon photo festival middle of last year that i needed to just take the leap and go fully manual as much as possible. So um, I finally moved off that magic P mode. Um, I'd I'd sort of played with a few different modes before then, but I thought, no, I just have to start doing it. Um, And it was the best thing because then I shoot more frequently. I'm much happier with the photos I take. I still get duds, but I'm generally much, much happier. Um, I think in shooting more frequently, though, you actually have to become a little bit more critical as to what you're producing as you're shooting because there's no point shooting frequently and ending up with a whole pile of blurred photos or photos the composition isn't great or there's trees coming out of people's heads and things like that you you actually need to start being critical about what you're producing.
0: I, I think what you do is as you get more advanced in your photography you become more stringent in what you shoot like you don't you kind of cull a little bit you don't shoot as widely as you first did because you're trying to find out a purpose for that photo you really want it to be something so rather than just a whole lot of pictures and think oh that's nice but i mean i know for myself now i tend to want to have something in that photo that means something as well
1: yeah i i still look for the pretty image i I still look for the image that that satisfies my own visual you know idea um, that I might have before I start shooting I still look for that image that I look at and I go oh yeah I really like that um, it's not always about recording a moment um, it's sometimes just about shooting that pretty flower
0: yep. Yep. Um.
1: you know and and I think that also changes from from the challenge that I do that sometimes the the challenge prompts are a little bit bizarre um, sometimes they're a little bit left to field, that you've really got to think about how you might actually portray that. Um, so, and that that's, that's a nice
0: challenge. I think um, shooting to a brief is always more difficult because obviously if you pick the camera up and you go outside and there's some nice flowers in the garden and you can spend an hour capturing those. But when someone sets something to you, like you said, and sometimes it'll be something a little bit, you know, left of centre, and you've really got to think about, mm, how do I capture this? What's what's one of the things that you've ch- kind of challenged you trying to catch a picture of one of the briefs? Can you think of one? Or-
1: um, Not particularly. I, I It changes from day to day. Sometimes I find them really, really easy. Sometimes I've planned out half the month before I even start. Most of them I don't look at until that morning. Um because I sort of like that spontaneity so much and then it's sort of like I don't look at it until mid-morning and the challenge was breakfast. So it's sort of like, well, I've already I'm, had breakfast, I'm, I can't I'm, make it up I'm again. Missed <laughs> I've missed that one. I've missed that one. Or like today in the sky and yeah, the sky wasn't really doing very much today. So um, that's where I allow myself to dive into my archives. Some of the purists don't do that, that they shoot, their photo on the day, um, and that's that's fine. But I was just finding I wouldn't post, so, um, you know, and and it's got a wonderful Instagram community around it. There is a Facebook group as well. Um, photo challenges in general tend to attract a really lovely Instagram community. That's, that's nice and positive, and and I've made lots of friends through that community.
0: And I want to touch on the whole social media thing because that's really changed photography dramatically. Mm. And so what you're really saying there is that there is that sense of community that you actually belong to some. You're not just now shooting by yourself because there's other people doing those same briefs that you're shooting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we get on the Facebook group and it's like, oh, I didn't really know what to shoot for this one today. Um, And and things like um, doing a self-portrait. Can be incredibly difficult for most of us um, because none of us really want to get in front of the camera. We're much happier behind the camera. Um, So it becomes a very creative thing of how to actually capture a self portrait without actually putting your face in front of the camera and and doing a selfie. Um, There's also a wide variety of how people shoot. Some shoot with an SLR and then they will scan the film and, and upload that way. It's a little bit more of a slower process. Um, many of us shoot with SLRs, but but a lot still use a mobile phone, um, which I find that it's it's an incredible range of ability as well as, um, you know, the ideas of, of how you might meet a prompt.
0: Yeah, look, the mobile phone I think is is interesting now for photography because I tend to find I shoot um, a lot of stuff on my mobile phone mm, because I've I know got it that. with me, mm. and I, I find it sometimes you you're not you don't have all your equipment with you. Um, and you'll see something nice, or and it's just a great way to kind of remember it and, and just capture it quickly without too much fuss. Yeah, it makes
1: it so easy. I mean, the best camera is the one in, in your hand. Um, and I, I sort of also think, too, as mobile technology, particularly the cameras, are getting better, it's going to be so much easier for people to just carry their phone. I, I know a lot of people that. that just take their phone on holidays. My son did it recently for a European
0: holiday. I had a friend who did um, went to Alaska, um, and she she shoots with two full frame bodies. And then yeah. I'm looking at her pictures. I'm going, oh, they're really good. And then and I said, um, how much gear did you take? And she said, um, none. And I said, <laughs> oh,
1: I couldn't do that.
0: <laughs> she left she left all her DSLR gear at home. Wow. And she took her camera and she shot, I think she said she shot about three and a half thousand images on the camera, wow. which is quite a feat, but the images were beautiful. She had some great images, but it said it worked for her because some of the areas she was in, she was worried about the environment she was in with the cameras and not having to worry about.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I sort of had had those thoughts when the last time we travelled, and I, I think the next time we travel overseas, now that I have a full frame and an expensive set of lenses and so forth, I'm going to have to really consider what we take. Yeah, it's um, a little bit easier with with smaller. I've got a small mirrorless um, that virtually fits in a in a over the shoulder tiny bag, so I don't feel like I'm carrying a big camera around that people can steal.
0: Yep, yep. Um, I think sometimes, you know, I mean, I like doing street photography and I do shoot with a full-frame camera and that can be a challenge in itself because you do stand out. Yeah, Whereas if you shoot with your phone, you're just one of a thousand other people with their phones out.
1: Oh, people don't know what you're doing with your phone. You You could could be taking a selfie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I I think it becomes a lot more anonymous. That's, you know, why... Um, I recently bought a, a little compact digital um, that fits in my pocket. I bought a new one. Yep. Um, we've, we've had many of them through the years, so I thought it was time to upgrade that particular particular one. And, and I love it. I can put it in my pocket. It takes awesome photos. Um, and the quality is there so that I can actually enlarge them if I want.
0: Yep. And a lot of those little um, ones now you can actually shoot them RAW.
1: Yes, this one because my old one I couldn't, yeah. so I was quite excited to be able to change up to one that shot raw. That that was a buying feature for me.
0: Yeah, yeah and I I did something similar. I bought bought a you know um, small camera that I could put in that shoots raw, and always quite amazed by the quality of that camera um, as well. But sometimes you don't want you know to carry all the gear, but you want to have something that still gives you a bit of flexibility about manual control because that's the only thing I, I struggle with phones is sometimes. You'd like to be able to adjust more of the settings but you can't.
1: Yeah. And I know there's apps that will give you a longer exposure and, and I've I've got one that I use occasionally that will allow me to to alter the focus point and yep. the exposure separately, which is pretty awesome, but I just really get lazy and I just use the iPhone camera and, and off we go.
0: Yeah.
1: Um because again it's there,
0: it's it's easy. Yep. So I wanna digress away from photography just for a little bit. Um because most photographers are creatives, mm, mm. and I know that you do some other stuff as well in the creative field. Um, and recently, you've just enrolled at um, Griffith I, Uni. Mm,
1: yeah. Mm. So yeah, I. Um, oh, feels like forever. i we call ourselves paper crafters. We we work with paper. Yep. Um I'm. Um, I make handmade cards. I use rubber stamps. Um, I progressed to a few years ago deciding to learn to draw. So I also draw um, uh, usually girls in a whimsical style. Um, And I've learned something called art journaling, which um, is basically using mixed media, which is essentially more than one type of media. So you can use... um, uh, Pastels, you can use watercolors, you can use pencils, paints, acrylics, charcoal. Pretty much, it's a blend of using whatever you like yeah. um, together in a project. Um, and I've been doing that for many years. Um, I, I think something that I find interesting coming coming into this interview, I was sort of thinking about my creative practice a little bit, and and I've always used rubber stamps that are photographic in nature. Yeah. Um, I uh, am on a, a a range of design teams where they basically send me product and I make projects for them um, and photograph them and so forth and upload them to blog yep. to blogs and social media and so forth for them to show their product in use. Um, and one of the companies I've been working for and the products I've been using for many years um, is actually made by a professional photographer. She converts her photographs into rubber stamps. Okay. Um, and they've always been my favourite to use. So I sort of thought, oh, there, there was an interesting connection there.
0: Um, it's it interesting all that crossover with photography and, and the arts because it, and then there's always that debate you can have with people about is photography art? Is, what is it? Don't and, get me started. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've always considered photography to be an art because and absolutely, you, and you yeah. talked about um, your drawing and painting and stuff, and um, you know, composition is such an important part of photography, and they're all disciplines that you have to have when you're drawing. Like,
1: oh yeah, and and I, uh, Dad is a um, a creative. Mum and Dad are a creative person. People, they they're you know, Dad's um, a woodworker, cabinet maker, French polisher upholster and all that. And and mum had always worked in the business as well. So I've always been surrounded by colour and texture and and fabrics and pattern and and stuff like that. Um, dad had always passed some of those skills on. I, I think you learn some of those skills like composition, like mixing colours, colour, colour is not a problem to me. So mixing some of those things has has I think been part of my life for so long that it just becomes intuitive. Yep. Um, and I think the scrapbooking gave me composition. Um, you know the, those basic rules that that you can really make something look almost unpleasant, um, and very jarring by getting your composition all wrong. Yeah. Um, so those things have have definitely gone into the photography, and it, it's something that it's just probably been mm, almost a creeping sort of knowledge. I, I I've never actually learnt it. I've just always known it.
0: I think once you once you're creative in one discipline, it's easy to cross over into other disciplines because once you've got the mindset to be creative. And it's funny because I I thought about this just only recently because I've always been from age seven shot with a camera because mm. if I was a photographer. We had a darkroom at home, so oh yeah, I, you've
1: always had that history.
0: I had that opportunity, but he he was very hands-on person. He was he was a toolmaker by trade. Okay, hmm. so made lots of things. So I would be beside him in the workshop and I carried that over where I made, you know, woodwork, metalwork, all those type of disciplines. And I never connected the dots with photography and all the stuff I do outside of photography. Like when the kids were little, I made, you know, I made the first cot. I built made a cot yeah, from
1: scratch. So you're a maker.
0: Yeah. So you actually make things. Mm. But the other thing, and my wife struggles with this because sometimes I'll say, oh, I've got this idea for this and it's going to be amazing and i explain it to her and she can't picture it but I can see the exact finished product exactly how it's going to look before I even start
1: oh I, I was a nightmare when we have um, extended our house we've done renovations at home and and I can see that I, I, I you can explain um, colors you can explain patterns I can put that together in my head and and I know what it looks like but but talking my husband into yes a red wall really look amazing in that room and it did um, things like that, yes, and and I don't understand that. I, I, I'm i aware of it, but, yeah, I don't understand it because I've always been, and, and mum and dad always had that skill. They could look at a fabric and know exactly how it would look on a lounge. Yep. And because I helped with some of that creation from a very young age, I possibly just developed it.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things, I, I don't know whether you, you actually learn it or it's just something intuitive that you have to be able to put those elements together and make them work. Because like you said before, I mean, you can have some amazing elements and if you put it together as a scrapbook but you don't put them together in some type of connective way, it just, just doesn't work.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think it is something you can just know. It's like music, music ability. You you. I have one son who is naturally gifted with, with an ear. Yeah. Um, that is something he was just born with. Um, again surrounded by music since birth it just seemed to be something but other kids at the same age had to learn that music had to learn that ability so it is learnable but i think some people just in certain areas are gifted in particular ways um, i've always had the the other side of the science um, because my science was chemistry so it's there's no black or white it's oh sorry the It is just black or white. There's no middle ground with with chemistry. Um, And I went into pharmaceutical manufacturing and quality assurance. So um, it's a yes, no answer. There's no maybes. Yes. Either it is or it isn't. Um, So that side of being very particular was hard to put aside when I was starting to draw. It's like, yes, you want me to draw a line. Okay, how long is the line? What angle is the line? How straight is the line? Um, so yeah, that, that has been an interesting learning curve for me and and I have found that I have been able to put that aside um, and and sort of learn to be a little bit more
0: creative in a looser way. Because yeah if you, if you if you do apply that kind of scientific approach to photography and you make everything perfect, quite often those pictures don't work. Cause no, because re- in no. reality nothing's perfect.
1: No. No.
0: I remember being at a shoot and it was a um, professional food shoot and there was a food stylist styling the food and I thought it was really interesting and I, I was really keen to understand how she, because it looked amazing, and she said, oh, there's one really simple element I do. She said, I always make sure that there's an odd number of everything on the plate. Yeah. Because she said in nature, that's how nature dishes it to us. It's like, it's not, you don't have... You know all these.
1: You don't have even evens. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting,
0: and and when you looked at it, and you go, oh, you're right. They actually, you know, and it's it's just those simple things that sometimes, but it, our eyes are drawn to that.
1: Yeah. And, and we find yeah.
0: that pleasing.
1: Yeah, and it it's interesting. I because as part of my my craft, I my my aunt, I I teach in a paper craft store, and um, you you. Pull all those elements in when you're teaching a class, but you can't throw too much theory at people because they just cannot cope with it. Yep. They're there to learn to paint. They're there to have a nice time with ink and paint. Yep. Um, but as soon as you say, okay, that doesn't look right to you because you have six things on your page, yep. take two of them away. Four is a nice balanced number. Yep. But if you take just one of them away, it looks balanced and they'll go, oh, okay, yes, that works. And then you explain, well, if you just move this here and that there, your composition looks better, suddenly they go, yeah, that's it. And and that's, the, that's a lovely thing about teaching. You can actually see that light go on in people's eye yep. when you explain to them why something on their page or in their project is working and it may even just be colour. Yep. Um, and, and we find that as photographers. Sometimes you're taking photos of things and it's just – the color is just off.
0: Yep, and sometimes
1: change something and it works.
0: Sometimes it's the angle. You yes. know, you change just by changing the angle, you can create a different feel. You just can't get that connection with the subject. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or, or move to the side or turn around. The light changes. The color changes. Reflections change. Yeah, um, and and the view is different. Yep um it's it's something I'm I'm finding because because I have started university I've started at uh, Griffith University doing the degree in photography um and I was quite excited about that because I can do a bunch of art subjects as well so I'm really keen to be combining the two um and and it's really interesting going back to first principles and and learning about depth of field and and perspective and um, white on white and dark on dark and, and all of those things and learning that that theory behind the creative skill. Yep.
0: Do you think you have an um, advantage going to uni now with all the life skills and all the things that you've done that now when you hear the lecturers talk about these things you probably can connect more with them because you've had that life experience? or?
1: Oh absolutely, I first started uni at 16 so that was probably in hindsight very young but I did it, and and I was I was lucky that it it was successful. I, I got through my degree within it without any great great difficulty, but I I think now starting at the age that I am with the life skills, it it makes a big difference. I'm I'm worrying less about getting assignments through. It's just like, yep, no, I know exactly what I want to do with that. I don't have to overthink it. I think perhaps some of the art training that I've already had has helped in that regard. Yep. Um. That inner critic is still alive and well, but I know how to put it back in a box a little bit easier than what I would have done at 17.
0: Yep, and um. I think that's, that's one of the things it teaches you. Like, I mean, um, it's only really been the last five years I've actually called myself a photographer, even though I've been a photographer for pretty much most of my life.
1: But Isn't that I, interesting?
0: And it was funny. It was actually I went to a presentation and... Um, it was a photographer presenting, and he talked about how he got into photography, and it's a very interesting story because it was, he, he, he got into it by complete accident. And he's telling this story, and as he's telling the story and he's talking about himself, I'm starting to think to myself, oh, I've actually been a photographer for a long time, but I just never realised it. And I think that's what you talk about, being able to, as older that self-doubt and those things now, you can kind of understand them better. When you're old, a little bit older?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It comes with maturity. I, um, So with my art, I was learning from a lady down um, – she lives in Byron Bay and she ran a couple of international art retreats. So I sort of basically plucked up the courage and and signed up for an art retreat in Paris. Yep. So I spent a week doing art um, in Paris. My, my husband came with me but he couldn't stay with me during the art retreat. So yep. it was all us girls um and the first thing jane did was give us badges that said i am an artist yep and we went to the louvre that night and we had our night at the louvre and um we were all instructed to wear our badges and it was very uncomfortable because even though i'd been doing art for a while and and i'd been teaching paper craft for many years it just oh i'm not an artist it's just real but being a photographer. I actually found it much easier, or maybe because of that experience, yeah. oh, much easier. I've thought of myself as a photographer for a few years now. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't understand why that came easier. Whether whether photography, because it's more, a, because it can be presented as a technical skill that I can master, it's a bit easier than drawing, which I saw, or, or painting or art, which is a little bit more subjective.
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. And a you No, know, and it's weird. I don't yeah, understand no, it, why. It, it, it is one of those things that it's one of those interesting things, and I think it, it all comes from that creative part of the brain where how we, like I said, we self doubt our abilities, mm. and and sometimes I have this phenomenon where I'll, I'll I'll take pictures, and I sometimes think that I've actually created the picture a little bit too easy, mm. and it's kind of thinking that should have been harder.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> should have been more sweat and tears go into that image when
0: it doesn't. It doesn't. But sometimes that's just how it works. It's sometimes that you know how to react, you know where to be, how to take the picture, how to make mm. it look good.
1: But do you find that you have to ease into that? Do you, do you find that you warm up when you go and shoot?
0: Um, I do. As I get more into a shoot, I become more and more, you know, in tune of what's going on. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. interesting I, I, because I... I'm a kind of a, a lone wolf shooter when it comes to shooting. I I tend to, if I'm in a group, I'll be off doing my own stuff. Yeah, and no, I've noticed that.
1: Yeah. 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 And, I, and I'm sort of, I'm learning to watch people like you because it's like, right, what's he looking at? What has he seen? What can I see that he might have seen? Yeah. And it's sort of like, oh, yes. And I, I, I actually like the fact that sometimes when I see one of you go off, it's like, oh, he's going over to do this. Yes, and and yeah, so it's sort of yeah, it's it's very interesting to observe a group of photographers. We we can be very different because it is it is a social activity, but it's also very. It is a lone wolf.
0: Activity. Yes, it, a lot. And the, one of the challenges for photographers, um, and we've had many photographers on here talk about this. Uh, um, their life as a you know as professional photographer can be quite lonely. There's lots of times when they're just by themselves you know, mm, you know mm. they've taken a bunch of they've taken the images now they're back at their office and they're editing the images. And you know we've had a few wedding photographers and said you know they'll spend days editing a wedding. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a very lonely time for them that sometimes they do realize that you know they're just spending all this time alone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and I find being doing art very much the same art journaling is is a pretty social activity sometimes, but I find if I'm, unless I'm actually teaching, if I'm with a bunch of ladies in in an you know sort of a social sort of session, I'm much happier standing around talking to people yep. than I am actually doing any work. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm sort of yeah quite quite happy to embrace that social side. But when I'm on my own, I, it doesn't worry me that there aren't people around. There are some people that can only create art with with other people around. Yeah. I'm um, I'm not that person. I'm quite happy on my own.
0: And I think sometimes because you don't want the distractions, sometimes once Most you of get the time, yeah. once the creative flow starts to happen, sometimes if I'm, say, sometimes I'm doing I like doing some experimental photography, mm. right? So I'll just have this wacky idea, you now that well, that I'll it'll get a speaker and I'll get a frequency generator and I'll pull PVA glue on it, yeah, and I'll see what it happens at different frequencies and I'll be capturing it. and I can just be immersed in that and hours just go.
1: It's wonderful, isn't it? It's <laughs> it it's sort of you think, yeah. If time travel could happen, would we do more of that so we could just do it over and over and over again? Yeah, and it's just, and just, it's lovely.
0: Another people, it's hard for people to understand. Some of the people listening to this podcast will get it straight away that how that feeling is, but when you're trying to create something new and you you see you, you see something, you go, oh, that's really cool. I've got to capture that. I've got to, and then once you capture it, you go, now I need to capture it differently.
1: Yeah, and and as artists we call it creative flow. We 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 embrace that. And and as groups of artists we talk about it. We educate each other about how to get into it and how to to maintain it. And what happens when that creative flow is just not working and the mojo is gone? Um, I don't notice that those types of conversations happening amongst photographers as much. That's why I was curious to see whether you warmed up. And you've obviously noticed you warm up partway into a session but do you actively do something to warm up before you start with your photos
0: um not not really some, sometimes i mean a lot of shoots i'll go into and i actually won't even try and plan a shot yeah i don't want to put it but in some situations i will actually have some preconceived ideas that i'll go in with this. so it's kind of i would say i would go 20 20 into a shoot with some type of preconceived shot that i want to get out of that shoot and the other eighty percent is I go with the flow and I add it and I see what's there and I just build on that. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's a uh, it's a much happier way to create images. Yep. Whether and it's different if you're doing a creative uh, a um commercial shoot that you actually have a shot list that you have to meet. Yep. But um, to be able to go into a shoot and actually be happy with the result, so that you know, you, if you get the shots that you imagine in your mind and you're happy rather than having to meet a brief. I
0: had a photographer on here um, quite a few uh, episodes back and she does the, the shoot that shot list gets all the shots she has mm. to and usually if she's got time then she'll say, oh, look, finished but I'll, I just want to take a few different shots and she always does that if she can and she said quite often, you'll include them to show the client and the clients will actually like those shots better
1: yes I was listening to that podcast and I thought that was interesting and I thought oh that that would be a nice thing to be able to build extra time into a shoot yep. to enable you to do that
0: and sometimes I mean that's because in commercial photography you know you have someone sets you a brief and they say oh I need shots of this this and this but not everyone knows I mean what they really want sometimes they don't know what they want but when they see see it they know so sometimes the photographer has to actually be that kind of driving force
1: yeah and and i think i think that comes with experience from a photographer's point of view but sometimes it's educating the customer in in the lead up to it you know finding out what it is that they want out of out of the session or something other like that it's it's all about communication really isn't it
0: yep yeah, yep yeah. so if you're um, your your current photography that you're doing now, because I I noticed too that you've also been involved with Getty Images as well.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's been a fantastic program. I'm really enjoying actually shooting with the intention of uploading for stock
0: photography. Um, Have you found that changes the way that you shoot, that you shoot differently for stock to what you do personally?
1: Um, to a certain extent, I think it has. I'm, I'm a little bit more mindful of the more than one shot, um, type, type sort of thought that, that previously I would get it, go in uh, and there might be a scene, you know, uh, a couple at a, at a table eating or something like that. And I'd get the shot that I want that captures that moment. Whereas now I'd go over the shoulder. I'd Yep. go down low, I'd use different perspectives, I'd try and change lenses, I'd move around more. Yep. I, I find that I moved, the last one that I did was, um, I think River Life might have been the last one last yes, year yep. that we went and shot near the um, Brisbane River. Um, I found that I moved around a lot more during that shot, at uh, that shoot, um, than I had previously.
0: I've got a technique which I call it shoot loose, right? Mm-hmm. And I've done a couple of um, sunset workshops, yeah, right. And um, typically, people turn up tripods, cameras, cameras on tripod, looking to the west, waiting for the sun to set. And I'll say, take the camera off the tripod. We don't need the tripod yet. Plenty of light. You can do it mm, handheld because mm. there's going to be all this other interesting stuff that's happening around you. And if you if you're focused on just looking west. Sometimes you have an amazing reverse sunset happening behind oh, you. Oh,
1: yes, yes. Right?
0: And people kind of, they go, oh, I didn't think to look there. And I always call it shoot loose. And what you're talking about is basically being able to move around, look at what's happening, see what people are doing um, and try and capture these different things. Because it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever shot sport. I did a whole season where I shot soccer for a whole season. Oh,
1: that would have been fun.
0: And... Fortunately, I played soccer at school, so I knew how the game went, which Mm. was a big bonus because you could read the play. Yeah, yeah, know what's coming. You knew what was coming. So you were kind of anticipating where the players were going to be, what they were going to do, um, which direction they're going to move. And that's one of the skills of being a photographer is that being able to kind of read the play. And that happens in every type of photography.
1: Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm discovering I'm much more observant of people when I've got my camera with it with me that that you sort of think you wait for that decisive moment you wait for them to walk into the light or to turn around or, or something and I, i'm finding my photography is improving because i'm taking more notice yep um in that regard i'd love to shoot more sport i'm, I'm not a big sports fan um it was quite an eye-opener for me to do the drag racing oh, um, yes, last yep. year at queensland yep. um raceway. raceway that was yep. that was really really fun Yes. I sort of signed up for it thinking, oh, yeah, this would be cool. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it.
0: And, look, that was something very different because um, it's very fast action mm. and and trying to get some of those shots because you have very little time to react um, to it. Um, but, like I said, it, it's pleasing. And, like I said, shooting other you know subjects outside what you're comfortable with, you just stretch as a photographer because those skills that you learn at the drag racing... Can come into other types of shots that you might want to take.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I took shots at that event that I never would have thought to take, or or thought that I could have taken. Um, and and it does, it changes. And I find it funny going into uni, people would ask what type of photographer are you? What do you like to shoot? It's like, well, it's more like what don't I like to shoot? And I haven't really got a very big list of those things. Um, and, and it's just I'm I'm keen to learn about a whole pile of different things. Um, with with learning art, we've we've discussed following the shiny ball. Um, yep. It comes up in in a lot of because uh, I've been to a bunch of art retreats and I've done uh, art workshops with professional artists, and and we all talk about you know following the shiny ball. So so follow where your interest is. Yes. Um, doesn't matter if that changes from from one session to the next because it might actually lead you to that thing that you really really love, um, and and that you end up doing more of.
0: Yeah, because when people say to me and they've lost their mojo and they're you know they're trying to take photos and they're trying to find ways to you know rekindle that fire and get, I, mm. I say start shoot the things that you love. You yeah, know, you know yeah. if you got a pet, if you love your pet, just start shooting your pet because mm. mm. it'll give you a reason to want to keep shooting those pictures and I think that's where a lot of people kind of get stuck sometimes.
1: Yeah yeah so it, it, it's, it's a little bit easier as, as an artist because one of our tips to people is uh, tidy your supplies. Yeah. And as soon as you start tidying yep. and, and or you know reorganizing or culling or, or even just pick up something you haven't used before and start using it, uh, it that that creative spirit kicks kicks in. Kicks in yeah. Um and and I've I've sort of tried to think of as a photography alternative what what would you do in that regard. So so do you get your camera out and start cleaning all your lenses? Yeah. And and I did that recently while I was away. I thought I was at the beach and I thought, oh, I should really clean them because we've been down beside the ocean. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I want to go and use this one tomorrow. Because yes. you know, I took a bunch of my gear with me and I was like, oh, oh I'm going to use this one tomorrow. So because um, I think as photographers too, if, if unless we're shooting commercially and we need to actually change lenses for certain things, you, you do tend to have the same lens on your camera most of the time.
0: Yep, yep. Sometimes, sometimes I'll set myself a challenge where I'll do a prime challenge where I'll put a prime lens on the camera mm. and I'll just try and shoot a day with the prime because it gets me back to my days when I was, was shooting 35mm. I only owned a handful, only a couple of lenses Zooms weren't really a thing, um, so you just moved around to get the shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, I th- that's the thing. I, I found when I bought my, my full frame, I at the same time got a, a really cheap um, nifty-fifty. Yep. And it sat in my bag, and I didn't know really how to use it, and I just left it alone. It's like, what do I do with this Prime thing? Um, and, and then I actually basically made myself use it, and I really quite enjoy it now.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, the nifty-fifty is one of those most underrated lenses because it is quite oh, cheap. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, being a 1.8, um, the bokeh that you can create with that. Oh, it's gorgeous. Is it's insane. It's gorgeous. <laughs> and I think that's one I mean, of as a as a kind of a starter portrait lens, it is a great little lens.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've discovered recently you can um, have a go at doing macro with it, with doing flowers and so forth as well. So. Yeah, because it's
0: actually got a quite close focusing distance. Mm, it yeah. has. Yeah. It has.
1: It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but-
0: and like I said, so some people have said it's, and I mean, like that lens, you can pick it up like under 150 bucks.
1: Mm, mm, so it's, it's mm. quite cheap. And, and I think that's why we underrate it sometimes.
0: I think so. Sometimes I think it can't be that good because it's so You've cheap. You've only paid. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I think, look, for people that are listening to this too, like we've been a bit spoiled with zoom lenses, and um, it's great just to, to go back to basics sometimes and shoot with a prime. Just because mm. it's, dis- it's a discipline. It
1: is. It is. And it's it's like the old 35mm film days yep. that you, you know, you got what you got and that was it, you know. Um, whereas, whereas now, yeah, we are. We're very, very spoiled with the lenses that are yep. available to us. And also the digital technology that you know. I mean, I, I know that with some of my lenses I can crop down quite low. Yes. And I can get in really nice and close. So I don't actually have to get close. I can actually crop it down and it's
0: fine. I think that has changed the way we shoot because back in the old days, you'd try and frame in camera pretty much how mm. it was going to be. And you're right, you know, shooting of cameras, if you use know, 30 megapixel sensors, you can actually now know that you might only use a quarter of that frame in the finished image and you're still going to have a really quality nice, image.
1: Nice, nice image, yeah, that you can print you know, to a reasonable size, and it's, you get
0: spoiled. Well, you do get spoiled, and look, especially, I mean, for street photography it works really well because you can just kind of have one lens on your camera and walk mm. around all day with that and shoot a whole range of things, and it's why you edit the pictures how they'll finally end up, where sometimes you wished you had more reach on the lens but you didn't have it, but, you know, I'm just going to, I'll just crop it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think we all get guilty of that, and, and it, it's something that I'm – I'm trying to do less of that. I'm trying to spend less time in front of a screen.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, you know, so I have to have more of a go at getting it right in camera.
0: I think that's one of the things new photographers start out, we've talked about this a few times on the show, that um, sometimes people feel like they have to do post. Mm. So what's your workflow? You've, you've gone out and you've shot some images. You've come back home what happens
1: well i'm a mac user i changed over to mac from windows a few years ago so it all goes into my mac through lightroom yeah um i don't use the native mac photos app at all um i bring it all through in through lightroom i tend to cull out the the ones that are you know the blurry ones the ones i absolutely don't want yeah um i use a bit of a star rating Usually it's all one to three stars. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll often have a quick flick through. It depends how many I've taken. If, if it's a day where I've taken a thousand shots, well, I tend to go through the favourites. Yep. I'll, I'll just do a bit of an overview. More and more when I'm actually reviewing in the back of the camera, I'm actually using the, um, the rating. Um, the Canon 5D4 has, has a rating button yep. and I'm finding I'm using that more and more and that comes straight through to your Lightroom. Um, which makes it so much quicker. Yep.
0: Do you delete um, from the back of the camera ever?
1: Only if I haven't um, got a spare card with me and I've filled it up with a bit of bit of stuff that I don't want to keep. Um, one, no, one I, t- I don't.
0: Yeah, one of the tips I always say to people don't delete anything off the camera. No, no, keep I find everything.
1: it too time-consuming and I just really can't be bothered. Um, and, and also I've discovered that what you see in the back of the camera isn't necessarily what the photo looks like sometimes i think oh that's really blurry but actually it isn't
0: no that's right so the back of the camera sometimes like i said it's, it gives you an indication but quite often once you do get it on the screen it's it's um totally different so you get them into Lightroom, and then what would you
1: oh i i really do a, a rough cull a rough um rating i um I love using presets. Yep. Um, that's how I started to use Lightroom. Yep. Um, since doing a few Lightroom courses, um, I, I can now edit a photo from scratch without without that, and I've set up some of my own presets yep. of things that I do really, really regularly. Um, I tend to use the select one image and then sync the settings across and then do sort of small, small changes, yep. some images that I really, really like or images that I really, really like that I really want to put on either Getty or or actually have on on my photo a day challenge or, yep. or a, you know, I don't do it with everyone, but everything, but there are some images I'll spend more time on. Um, um, so, yeah, I'll do that. Um, once I have finished, I copy my photos across to our NAS. Yeah. Um, and then I move them through Lightroom onto a portable hard drive. um. I have always had a folder system. I've always had a naming system. Um, It's not the conventional, you know, your name, date, place, all of that. Um, I use the the original file names. I just leave all of that, unless I'm exporting for any reason. Um, If I'm exporting to a, you know, for blogging or something like that, I always put my name on it in the the file name. But my name is also listed in my copyright on the. The camera on the so that on the camera, that yeah. goes across on the metadata right from the start yep. um and yeah then then I will print the occasional one I don't print very many because um we don't have wall space to put yes. prints up at home so I've got a lot of prints that I've printed at home and they're sitting in paper coils and to me that's just as bad as sitting on my computer
0: yeah well it's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always that age old problem with with prints how you display them yeah. And I, I do, you know, in our office I've got prints that we put up, but I've got a system where I can change them around. Yeah. Because um, it's good to do that because you've, you've got limited space, but if you can put some prints up and then leave them up for a little bit and then swap them out with something else.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. way to display them as well. Yeah, so. I had thought of that, but really haven't got much wall space at home. <laughs> so it's sort of like, and I also think too, it's like, oh, I don't want my photo up there. It's like, oh. Um, but, yeah, there are some that I should put up because I really, really like them. You know, as, as a photographer, I, I really enjoy looking at them.
0: So with your further studies for photography, what, what, what are you hoping where your photography might go to? What are your, what are your kind of ambitions for the future? Um,
1: I actually don't. I don't have a plan. Yeah, okay, I, I'm 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 one that makes a plan over a couple of years, yeah. and at the moment, because this is still so new, the starting university is still so new. They they encourage you to choose uh, a major through second year. Um, so I can do creative photography. I can also do advertising, and then there's documentary. Yeah. Um, photography. So. I haven't even really thought of which one I would like to do, possibly documentary or creative. Yep. Um, the thing I like at QCA is that I can bring my art into photography. So um, cyanotypes, um, you know, the sun printing? Yes, yep. Is considered photography. Okay, um, yep. Whereas I'd always consider that an
0: art. Not well, it is, it is exposing yeah, it Using is expo- it, clip- Technically, it is. Yeah, yes. yeah.
1: And I probably never thought of it that way because I discovered it as an artist, not as a photographer. Yeah. Um. So the ability to be able to do those types of techniques and use photography and art is really attractive to me. Yeah. Um. But then I also am drawn to to that documentary type of thing. Um. As well, is is quite interesting to me. Um, the last thing I want to do is spend time in a dark room in front of a computer screen and with lights and so forth like that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, it's open, I think.
0: That's what I like about street photography because it, it is that kind of documentary thing. You're documenting what's happening.
1: Mm. And, mm. and
0: sometimes the other thing I like about it is you don't know what you're going to see.
1: No, you don't. Sometimes you see some very funny things.
0: You do. You see some really strange. <laughs> and you think,
1: thank goodness, I recorded that.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, oh, that's interesting. And like I said, so there, sometimes, like I said, there can be those really special moments that you'll capture. And um, I think one of the skills as a photographer, you've got to learn to be able to react very quickly. Mm, when something mm. does happen, you need to be able to, and that's you were saying about you know getting comfortable with camera, knowing the settings that you can just kind of go into auto mode yourself and just be able to get the shot. Yeah, yeah. That takes a bit of practice.
1: It does take a bit of practice. And and I found because last year I invested in a um a seventy to two hundred um lovely F two point eight. I find perhaps it's because of the weight. I don't know. I'm just finding it it has taken me longer to just have that intuitive touch with it.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Um, you know, and changing the settings and so forth like that. So um, you know, because it does take a bit of getting used to because of the weight and, and you know, you've got to have different camera settings because the lens is so long. So, yes. you know, it has taken me a little bit longer.
0: It's but. one of those lenses that I, I love the, the... It's a great focal length and the, being mm. a 2.8, being a really fast lens, it, it's great. And I, I love the depth of field compression you can do with, with that lens. Especially yes. Especially when you're taking people... Um, it works really well. Yeah. But it is one one of the trade-offs is, yes, it, you're lugging around this big piece of glass.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And it, it's something that um, I think once it becomes more intuitive to me, then perhaps I don't have to hold it up to my eyes for as long. So, you know, ultimately that that might counter that. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that if you're not spending as long getting your settings right and the screen and so forth, you, you're spending less time shooting with it. Then maybe that that weight issue might go away a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think I think so. Like you do when you. I mean, I shot a festival and I think you went to the Earth the frequency. frequency and I mm. I took two bodies, and I had the seventy to two hundred on one body, and I think I had a twenty four one to hundred and five on the other body, and because you would just say so, there was so much to capture. Yes. You actually forgot about it yeah. Got home that. Not my arms have fallen off. Because I've been holding this thing up for so long but you didn't realise.
1: <laughs> I, ha- I have that a few times that I was sort of like, oh, okay, that's why my hand is sore. Yes. I'm never quite sure. But, you know, you sort of think, oh, yes, okay, I've been holding my lens up to my eye. I, I did um, Panayiri last year. I yep. went um, with an Instagram group for an meet, and I was there all day. Um, and, yes, I was very sore for a couple of days after that.
0: And I wanted to talk to you about, the Instagram side of it, because you've been quite involved in the Brisbane Instagram scene for a little bit now. Mm. So, how did you end up kind of in that space?
1: Well, um, part of part of rediscovering photography and and you know, really the kids growing up and and my photography changing is that I'm I'm quite a social person. I I'm, I'm a joiner. Yep. Um, I needed to find a group. Um, I found out about these Instagram groups and these IGAs groups and it just sounded a bit interesting and I yeah. went along a couple of times and my brother and I went along to the first one and we were we were welcomed and, and it was just a really fun group of people and I love social media. So to go out with a group of people, take photos, put them on your phone and sit around uploading to the internet and that being okay – because back, you know, this is a few years now ago now, I, I sort of think it's about four years I've been going to them. Um, you know, back then having cameras, uh, having phones out while you're talking to people wasn't as acceptable as what it is now. We do it now without even thinking okay. about it. Um, I thought, oh, I've found my people. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, i I went to a couple and I'd um, offered to Geeta, um, the lady who I now co-admin with. I was going to say, because you
0: you've transitioned from the point of just being a, a participant, you're actually helping to organise these things now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, Geeta still does most of it. Um, Geeta's been involved in um, the Brisbane IGs now for many years. Um, and yeah, I sort of basically just offered assistance Um, Again, I'm a joiner, I'm a volunteerer, um, and I, I, you know, it coincided with the kids finishing high school, so it was like, oh, what volunteer group can I join now? So, um, ideas seem to be, you know, if it's following a passion, so... Um, and it's fun. We have an amazing group of people um, that, that come along. We do some really interesting things. You were with us on Friday night when yeah, we had our... A...
0: that was quite an interesting night at yeah. the museum.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so um, we've been very lucky sometimes meeting just the right people who, who can smooth the way um, and the museum and Gomara and, and um, they have been very supportive of our group. Um, we get invited to to go along to the after dark sessions. Um, Geeta had a dream for many years of um, a insta meet at an empty museum, yep. and 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 we sort of really had the idea. It's sort of night of the museum type movie, yes, yep, yep. and it's sort of like you know being able to get in and see the ex exhibits in the dark and and the low-light photography was also an interest and stuff and we just happened we were at a museum of Brisbane um opening one night and we were talking to this lady in in the lift as we're going down and she said oh I actually do social media for I think she did social media for GOMAR at the time now she's moved to the museum and it was just that chance conversation of of saying hello to somebody that we got a contact got in and, and we get invited.
0: Yep. Um, and, and I think look, that's for any photographers out there who, you know, because these groups are actually in every major city and locality. Um,
1: Instagram groups are all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're photo meetup groups, um, photo walk groups are all over the world. A few years ago, my husband and I uh, traveled to Italy I, again for an art retreat. So I sort of dragged him off to Europe again. Um, I found out that the Kelby, Scott Kelby photo walk was happening when we were in Rome.
0: Yep.
1: So I sent the guy off an email and said, oh, we don't speak Italian, can we still come? We spent a lovely morning out with this group of Italians um, who did not speak very much English and they walked us around Rome and it was amazing. We saw stuff that we would not have seen um, so I totally recommend that people, if they're going somewhere different for the first time, look up their local Instagram group um, and, and see what's happening.
0: Because they're all, they're all like-minded people. Like they're all the people there for the reasons of the photographs. Yeah, that's That's yeah. the reason they're actually yeah, there. Yeah.
1: And it doesn't matter what camera you've got. No. We, all, we all check out each other's cameras, of course, or, or you know, and, and there's no, no reason you can't rock up with a phone. Yeah. I've done a couple even in the last 12 months, um, leaving my SLR at home and rocking up with a phone or rocking up with my compact camera. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're just as much fun. We've actually noticed um, a huge change over the last couple of years, less people with phones, more people with, with bigger cameras. Yep, yep. Um, I think mirrorless has is, is sort of helped with some of that transition. People can actually just, you know, take the camera out without taking this big
0: Big bulky thing. thing. Well, I've, mm. I've said a few times now. I do a few blogs and things, and I I did a blog once about are mobile phones training wheels for photographers, and they mm. kind of are because people will start get their interest with the camera phone, mm. and as their skill grows, they realise then the camera phone's holding their creativity back, and that's yeah. when they naturally then go, oh, well, I need something to be able to, to do this or. I want to do low light. I want to do something, you know, and then that's when they they discover another platform like the mirrorless or the the DSLRs.
1: Yeah, I, and, and it's interesting. I follow a um, a lady on Instagram called Lady Brisbane. Yes. She shoots on an iPhone. Yeah. Um, she has amazing shots. She she's beautiful um, portrayal of Brisbane. Everything's on an iPhone. Yeah. Um, now she doesn't do astros. She she does a bit of macro. Yep. Um and stuff like that, but it suits what she's taking photos of, and they're beautiful photos, you know. Um, so you can do it, but I think you have a little, but you have a different scope.
0: Yeah, I think the, the to, you know at times I will shoot just on my phone, and mm. other times I'll shoot with my DSLR, and you adapt your shooting style to what you've got with you as well. Yes. So. Yes. But I think the thing is it's for people who are starting out, phones are an ideal way to start.
1: Oh, yes. Honing your craft.
0: Yes, so. yes.
1: And it's, it's you know, I've, I've had a few people where I've, I've been out with some of my papercraft friends and I'll be taking a photo and it's like, oh, aren't you using your camera? Like, no, I'm using my phone. It's like, but how do you get that shot? because I know how to use my phone properly to get composition yes. and, and lighting. And and as soon as you start putting it out, they realise that, yes, that phone that they have in their pocket can do the same types same of shots. Vision. You yep. just have to, yeah, you know, hold it still for a start, clean the lens, yep. you know, those sorts of things. Um, I did an um, online subject with the University of Tasmania a couple of years ago um, on photography, and it was uh, photography and social media. And one of the biggest tips they said the best way to improve your mobile photography is clean your camera lens on yes. your phone
0: because something people don't think to do. No,
1: no. Phone, no it phones
0: isn't. get quite dirty. They're in and out of pockets and ba- handbags and mm. all types yeah. of things. So, Incredibly yeah.
1: greasy and disgusting. And it's just you clean it. And it's like oh yes, it can actually take a photo quite a bit clearer well. Now.
0: Yeah, a bit clearer I now. Can take that soft filter off the yeah, <laughs> the soft focus. <laughs> soft focus off of it. So, Robin, what if there's, um Something is there a bit of advice that you've picked up along the way with photography that that's really stuck with you and and helped you? Is there anything you can think of that someone's told you something and it's stuck with you?
1: Um, Aside from practice, practice, practice. Yep. I, I'm not specific. I, I get a, a little, a lots of little gems. Um, I go along to Canon Collective, um, events, and I get lots of little gems from talking to people. That yep. you know, things, things like, um, um, having a go with with. Just picking up a lens that you haven't used for a while and going out and shooting that way. Um, when we get together with with the photographic groups, whether it's a collective, um, I've got a couple of girlfriends that we've got like a little sub collective, female girl gang going on. We we get together and we swap tips. We we swap tips on how to shoot and we give each other advice and stuff like that. There's a whole pile of things really that is it's it's a community that we've all helped educate ourselves and each other.
0: Yep, And I think one of the things, you know, is you never stop learning, do you?
1: No, no. As I'm finding as a mature age student, you never stop learning. And I think the day you do stop learning, um, you know, I, I think that's when you become a little bit more more staid, yep. um, I think, and it's good for your brain.
0: And I think it feeds back into the question we, we talked about earlier, you know, is photography, art. And the fact that you never with photography, you can always improve.
1: Yes, yes, your I don't, lifetime. I don't, I don't. And and I had that example with with my father-in-law that he, you know, was still taking photos and until a very late age. Yeah. Um. He didn't cope with the move to digital quite so well, yep. but you know, he used film camera for a long, long time, and and I think it is something that you can do for the rest of your life. Yes. And um. I think that's probably something that drew me back to it or, or sort of further into it, um, that this is something that it doesn't actually matter as long as I've got eyes and a hand, it, it's sort of ultimately I can yep. continue doing.
0: And, and I think photography is too one of think It's a great therapy. Yes, it's yes. a great me time. Yes. Tool.
1: Yes, it's a good excuse to <laughs> to go out and have a bit of me time. And and now I've got the excuse of uni to to go out with my friends and shoot. Yep. Not that I really need an excuse, but it's a reason. Yep. Um. You know, because I think as as you go through those different life stages, sometimes you can put aside those friendships, it it, it and and the skills and the things that you're interested in as hobbies and so forth, because other life situations take over.
0: They do. They do. Um, and, Robin, look, um, we're probably getting close to where we're going to end up. Mm. Um, where can people find examples of your work? Where, what type of platforms do you, you put your...
1: So I'm um, mostly on Instagram. Um, um, there is Purple cr purplesaltcr8 because yep. purple salt was already taken yep. when I got my name. It's not the best name for a, a future professional photographer. <laughs> I, I've got to actually workshop that a little bit, I think. Um, so, yeah, mainly Instagram is where they can find me. Um, and I also blog. I haven't blogged for a while. Yeah. bit slack. Um, and my blog is called purplesalt.net.
0: Okay. So they can find you on that. Yes, and, I can. And yeah. they can also... Yeah. If-
1: Instagram is... is and, and I'm there on Facebook as as well. But, yep. um, yeah, Instagram is where I spend most of my day. Um, and the Instagram group is, oh, Ige is Brisbane. I-G-E-R-S Brisbane.
0: Excellent. And there's also um, an Australia-wide one that you're a part of as well.
1: Mm, mm, yeah, so we've um, we've joined up with a couple of other um, groups from around Australia. Um, they're mainly, well, they're all on the east coast really um, and that's um, Iger's Australia Official.
0: Yep, perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming in and having a chat and sharing your photography journey so far because it sounds like you've got a lot more Traveling today?
1: Yes, I have. I, I I'm quite excited for what's to come. But um yeah, thank you so much for inviting me.
0: No worries, thank you.
1: Alright, thanks. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Photo Mission Exposure. If you like the episode, please leave a comment. Also you can follow us. Don't forget to tune into another episode soon. Thank you.